Welcome to the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast, where we feature physicians who are redefining the practice of medicine and changing the experience we have as doctors in medicine. We all know the system is broken, but we've decided not to complain about it anymore. We're out to fix it. I'm Dr. Una, your host. I'm a pediatrician and serial entrepreneur, but my passion is helping physicians create the freedom to live life and practice medicine on their terms. This is not just a podcast, it's a movement, a movement of change, and I invite you to be a part of it. Let's jump right in. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. And today I have a great guest for you. I have Dr. Bonnie Koo, and she is a dermatologist and she's the founder of Wealthy Mom MD. And we're going to talk all things money, personal finance, doctors, all of that good stuff. So Dr. Koo, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So I would like to know, right? You're a dermatologist. And now you're, you're still a dermatologist, but now you have wealthy mom MD. What was the trigger for that? Right? Like is being a dermatologist, is it not enough? Why did you have to start another company? <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't planned, I guess, the best way to say it. And I think the, now the way I think about it is I do think it was always meant to be, but when it was happening, I didn't realize a business was being born. So I'm sure you have some clients where like they weren't like purposefully starting a business, but things just sort of transpired and they realized that they started to have a passion for something else. And I also know that me being a physician first was sort of critical for this to happen. It was all part of the journey. So the short story is I discovered money way later in life than I wish I did. (laughs) But that's how the story goes, right? Yep. And I just started learning like everything I could about it, realized that it was a huge missing for physicians, female physicians, and just started educating them, educating myself. And then that evolved. I became a certified life coach because I realized at the end of the day has to do with what you believe you can do or not. And so to me, marrying that, that coaching plus money is now sort of like my sweet spot, I guess you could say. I love it. <laughs> now, the name of your company is Wealthy Mom MD, and we have a lot of male physicians who are listening. So do they need to pause this and come back next week and listen to the next episode, or are they going to get a lot out of this too? No, it'll definitely apply to them as well. Okay. <laughs> That's for you, Doc, so don't go anywhere. Now, for doctors, right? Doctors are what would be considered high earners, right? And for a lot of people, you know, they're making their money, they're able to pay their mortgage, send their kids to private school, you know, put away money in a 401k and all of that. So how important, in spite of all of this, is getting an education, if you will, on personal finance? I really think it depends on the goals. But now that I've said that, even what you just said, I think just sort of triggers something in my mind, Dr. Una, is because you mentioned you know, they have a job, they do a mortgage or doing these things. And I think one of the things I question is just the whole premise of going to school, getting a job, working for 30 or 40 years, and then you get to retire and then you get to have your little cup with an umbrella in it and sit on the beach or golf or whatever you do. Right. And so I just question that premise, like who decided that, who decided that 
Adulting would be working four to seven days a week, right? As doctors, no time for kids, no time for themselves, having to get permission to take a day off, let alone a vacation, being limited to two to four weeks a year. Like that's not really, but we've all accepted that, not just physicians, but sort of like, right? And so I just questioned that. And so I think if you're thinking, yeah, I don't want to just do this thing. I want to have more flexibility. I want to enjoy my life. I want to have some more free time. Then, then money becomes more important <laughs> because what stops people is money for the most part, right? Yeah. Cause, cause I've heard someone say, which I thought was really profound that, you know, people spend most of their time chasing money so they can have time later, but what your real resource is time, like anything you can do to free up the time sooner, you should do, right? Because that's a resource that's more important than than money. So you've worked with a lot of doctors, you've done a lot of work with in the personal finance space. What have you noticed are some of the commonest mistakes doctors make in that arena? Before I go into that, I love what you just said about how we're chasing money to have time later. And just to add another layer to that um, profound sentence is not only are we chasing money to enjoy life later, we're like, we're not even present while we're chasing the money because we're mm. so busy chasing the money, doing all the things and not even like being present and enjoying life, right? Because I think we, we have this like thought error that life will be better later when I have more time, when I have more money. So I just want to point that out. That's something I've seen a lot. So you asked me, what are the common problems that I see? Common mistakes that doctors make with their money, you know, like personal finance. You know, I would say one is thinking money isn't that important. And what I mean by that is, I don't think anyone actually truly believes that. Like my thought is they don't think they should prioritize money because it's like bad to do that, or it looks bad to do that. And so people will say things like money's not that important, or, you know, I became a doctor to help people not to make money. And I noticed it's like this, why, when, who decided it was A or B? Why can't it be all the above? You know what I mean? So I see that's like you, why not be rich and help people and enjoy life? Like it's, I think we feel like it's like a multiple choice test and <laughs> we have to pick, except there's always an all the above yeah. usually. Yeah. These tests, right? So that's one thing I see. And so they really focus on basically they don't focus on money because they think it's bad to focus on money because it's like they think if they focus too much on money, that means they're not focusing on the right thing. So that's one thing I see a lot. And I think another thing I see is, and you probably see this since you know you help physician entrepreneurs and specific, it's like we really box ourselves in. Like and because we we so tightly identify as being a physician, and usually all of our friends are physicians, we kind of put ourselves in this box. And what I mean by that is we don't realize that there's so many other ways to do things, even practice medicine, right? We think like, oh, well, I, I you know it is specialty specific to some degree, but not really. I think we just think, like, oh, well, I have to see patients. And as, thinking as a dermatologist, it's outpatient, it's academics, it's there's dermatologists who have cash pay, like kind of DPC uh, model as well. So there's, you know, options there. You could start a skincare line, you could consult, you know, that's, but there's so many other things you can do and you can pave your own path. And that's kind of what entrepreneurship is about, right? Yeah. 
But what I mean by that with in terms of money is people really think that if they are a certain specialty, they cannot make a certain amount of money or they cannot have a certain type of life for, and you know, I'm sure you've seen this too. And I can say this because you're a pediatrician, Dr. Una, but I'll see things in like travel groups. Like I need help planning this trip, pediatrician budget only, please, you know, statements like that. And it's labels like that, you know, or just limiting beliefs about how much money they can have because of their specialty. So when you work with doctors, right, how do you help them overcome those limitations? And, and part of the reason why I ask is because these are, they're almost like sore spots, if you if you would. Like there's some people that just don't want to touch it. Like let's sweep this under the carpet, pretend it's not here. How do you help them come to that point where they start working on them, on the limiting beliefs? And how do you help them do that? Yeah, I like what you said about like sore spots, sweep it under the rug. That's definitely something I see a lot, you know, before they come to me. And people come to me for different reasons. And I would say some of my clients come to me because they feel a sense of urgency around their money, usually a change of status like divorced or yeah, so divorce and now they're a single mom or something like that, right? Or some sort of, of life event where they felt like they really had to figure out money. But I have plenty of clients who didn't have a life event like that. They just we're like, I, this is something I need to learn and I want to learn it right now. And so then you asked, how do I actually help them? So I think the first thing is honestly, and what you said about the source spot is like, first I tell them that they're okay and they're not alone. And what I mean by they're not alone is like, they're not the only one who doesn't know how money works. So I think there's like a sense of embarrassment. Like there's a, not a quote, but I was thinking like they, I think a lot of doctors are like, if I'm so smart, how come I'm not rich? <laughs> I, I thought of that because there's a book called, if I'm so smart, why can't I lose weight? And I think it's kind of similar, right? Because, but even that statement shows you that education alone is not sufficient for wealth, for creating wealth. And so just normalizing that they're not the only ones who doesn't know what's going on. We call that holding space in the coaching world, just like allowing them to kind of be where they are and not judging them and just telling them like, everything's okay. Like that yeah. sounds silly, but like that, that alone is like super powerful for my clients. And I think it is because I would, you know, extrapolate to the world of entrepreneurship. You know, my first business venture was my private practice. And I was like, listen, I've been trained for over a decade to do this. So why can I not make a practice work? But the things that make a practice work are, you know, there, there's a lot of the business side of things, which really you've, I've had no education for. And so it would have been helpful for me to know that it wasn't because there was something wrong with me. So I felt, you know, the people who are out there who had successful practices, they were just better than me, right? Because for me, something must be wrong with me because I can't figure it out. That would have been nice to know, no, you didn't get any of this training. So this is the training you now need, <laughs> you know, and, and, and let's go on. Um, so that's really, really powerful that you would do that. And now for a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast is sponsored by the EntreMD Business School. We didn't get any business education during our medical training, and this school fixes that. It is the only school of its kind that helps physicians become thriving entrepreneurs who make money, have impact, and have time for the things that matter. You will get the coaching, accountability, and community you need to be successful. To find out more and to save your spot, go to EntreMD Business School 
www.thepowerofpositivityshow.com. And now for the rest of the episode. If you had to go to speak to a graduating class, so there's a group of, you know, pediatric residents, we, you know, we've been picking on, not picking on pediatricians, but we've been talking about pediatricians. So I'll just continue with them, but a group of pediatricians and you got to talk to them for an hour about, you know, now you're getting into the, you know, the real world. And these are some of the things you should know about your money, right? You weren't taught these things and all of that. What kind of things would you teach them? I would teach them at the end of the day, if you want your money to work for you, which I recommend. So I would say I recommend doing that. <laughs> Otherwise, we're always working for money, exchanging, you know, work effort for money is you have to learn how to grow your money. And that is a skill set they probably don't know. And one thing I say about that too, and this is for all doctors, because most of us, I don't know the percentage, it's probably like what 60 or 70% graduate with significant student loan debt. Paying off debt does not create assets. Paying off debt is not the same as creating assets and paying off debt doesn't suddenly start paying you money. Like I know, like, you know, this people know this logically when I say it, but I think people think something magical happens when the debt's gone. I guess you don't have a debt payment, but it doesn't start sending you checks in the mail like an asset does. I just noticed just a big push to pay off debt. And I'm not saying like those people are wrong for saying that, but I think it's a little short-sighted because I think the skill they need to start developing is learning how to buy assets. And one thing I do say about that, Dr. Una, is it's easier to pay off debt. And what I mean by that is that, you know, is like our brains are programmed to, they want to do things that are easy and comfortable and paying off debt kind of hits all those points of the brain. So it's like, it's like a huge dopamine hit to the brain to watch the, the debt decrease, right? Like it's progress. You just got to make payments or make extra payments. There's nothing new you have to learn to pay off debt. So it's like very easy. You don't have to think about it. You just do it. And as a debt decreases, you're like, see, I'm making progress. It feels good. But buying and growing assets requires you to do a lot more than that. Fail, feel bad, lose money, try new things, take risk. Things that doctors do not like to do because we basically have been programmed to not take risk because of what we do. I love that. Now I'm going to have you unpack the thought about growing money and acquiring assets. And the reason for that is I know that when we talk about assets, a lot of people think about things like their home, you know, buying a house and stuff like that. So if someone were to write a list of assets, um, you know, 20 things and you could only pick five, like, okay, these are assets. The rest of those, I don't know what they are. What five things would those be? So not a home. <laughs> and also the right, a lot of residents or even during residency or right after they, they want to buy a home. It's the American dream. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think first we should define what an asset is. And I guess the traditional, you know, definition is an asset like pays you. It, it's making money for you. And a primary home can become an asset later if you sell it and you make money on it. But while you're living in it, it is not an asset and it ends up being a money pit for many people. I call it an emotional purchase. Like people buy a home because they want it. And it's funny because I didn't grow up that like, I didn't grow up dreaming of having my own home. So I, maybe I'm different than most people, but I know most people have that dream for themselves. So I don't even think people think about it. I think people think like, oh, I'm supposed to buy a home and adults buy homes and doctors buy doctor homes, you know? 
<laughs> doctors by doctor yeah. homes. I love it. <laughs> and so I think there's also like the societal expectation that they should own their home. I see this a lot, actually. I was actually uh, coaching a bunch of women yesterday or two days ago. And like, I guess there's a belief that if you're over a certain age, basically, if you're an adult and you're an attending and you're renting, like there's something wrong with you. And I rent, actually. And so I don't have that thought, obviously. Right. But I'm sure you've seen this too. Like people think if you don't own a home that you're not like a real adult. So anyway, that's a long winded way of talking about how a home is not your asset, but it's not, but a lot of people think it is. And I actually think buying a home too quickly, especially when you have a lot of debt is it really can slow things down for you. So things in the stock markets or traditional retirement accounts, they're not, if we're being really strict about the asset definition, technically they're not, unless we're talking about a brokerage account where you're collecting dividends because most retirement accounts, you don't, you know, get the money for it until way later, years later. So investing in real estate is one of them, creating a business. And the asset that I love to talk about as a coach is your brain and investing in that as a resource. So I'm going to have you unpack that. A lot of times we don't think about that, right? So when you say your brain is an asset, what does that mean? I sort of mean it twofold. I guess one way is the mind of like, it is capable, it is what creates money in the world. And like that statement is kind of like, people are like, what, what are you talking about? Cause I think, you know, it's, I'm curious now I might have to ask people like, what do you think creates money? And I think people think like a job or working, right? That's kind of what most people say. And so you and I both know that money comes from value and you create value. We can create value with our brains. And at the end of the day, it's what you think you can do. That's related to what your brain thinks it's capable of doing. So anything you can do to kind of unlock your brain's potential to kind of fight against like hundreds or thousands of years of brain programming, that's really the key to making money is like, because if you really think you can make, you can become a millionaire, then like versus thinking you can't, I mean, that's what it really comes down to. Your brain is an asset. And we've done this before, right? Because we invested you know, multiple six figures in a medical education (laughs) to think a certain way. And when it comes to money, we need to think a certain way too and, you know, invest to do that as well. Now for everyone listening, the money conversation is a, is a really deep conversation. And I'm going to ask Dr. Kuwer, you can find her, right? So she has a podcast where we just talk about money and all of that because it's not something you're going to hear once, but it is something that is worth taking the time to become great at, right? So we took the time to become great clinicians and we can take the time, the effort, the investment to become great at managing money, building wealth, creating, you know, generating assets and all of that. So where can people find you? It's pretty easy in that everything is the same name. So Wealthy Mom MD, that's the website, that's the podcast, it's my Instagram handle, Wealthy Mom MD. Wealthy Mom MD people. All right. So that this conversation can continue because there's so many nuggets in here. There's so much good stuff in here, but there's so much more to be had. So this is a great beginning and then you can continue. So very good. So now at every episode, I say this, that the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast is more than a podcast, it's a movement. So the thought process being, there's a million of us, we can change stuff. We're not stuck. We don't have to be a certain way. Our options are limitless. And so I ask 
everybody who listens to share the episode. Like you have to share it. So for this episode, what would you say is the reason why every doctor listening right now should share it? I mean, other than the amazing Dr. Bonnie's on it, why else should they share the episode? I love what you said. There's a million doctors. We can affect change. And doctors, we, we, we always have a ripple effect, you know, on our patients and our communities. And I think it's going to take doctors creating financial freedom and emotional freedom. Emotional wealth is one of the things I talk about a lot too. I think it's both, but I think, you know, financial freedom is probably going to be it's a more tangible sort of path, I guess you could say, because if the more doctors have financial freedom or think and believe they have choices, right? Cause that doesn't necessarily depend on money, but just thinking that they have choices, then that individual can start making change in the system because system change, cause we, we hear that a lot, like the system has to change. It always starts with the individual, right? Each individual has to literally free their mind. And as more doctors sort of free their mind, free their money, then the system changes. I love it. System change starts with an individual and that individual is you. So do the work, share the episode, be the change that you want to see. Thank you so much, Dr. Ku. This is, this is really, really good. Thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing all these nuggets. And, you know, it's my belief that doctors will hear this and start making that journey towards freedom because, you know, financial freedom has such a big ripple effect on all the other aspects. So thank you for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And for everybody listening, I will see you on the next episode of the Doctors Changing Medicine podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Now, this is too good for you to keep to yourself. So I want you to do three things. Number one, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Number two, share this episode with all the doctors in your life. Number three, share it on social media. Until next time, remember, you are a huge part of a movement changing medicine one podcast episode at a time.